Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Lessons of the Wild podcast, Beginner's Guide to Hunting. I'm your host, Alex Hernandez. Thank you for being here. Today's episode is question and answers number two, so thank you to all of those who wrote in. Um, if you have any questions, shoot us an email at lessonsofthewild at gmail.com or DM us at lessons underscore of underscore the underscore wild on Instagram. Um, if you see me or whatever, ask me questions. I want your questions. I'm here for you guys. So with that being said, let's get to it. Episode number six of the Lessons of the Wild podcast. Thank you for being here, and thank you to everyone who wrote in questions. I really appreciate it. Uh, this is what I'm here for, guys. If you have any confusion, I'm here to make learning to hunt easier. So please write me. You have my email. You have my Instagram. If you need my phone number, hell, I'll give it to you. Just let me know, okay? With that being said, let's get started. Our first question is from a gal in Indiana. What does it cost to hunt public land? Excuse me. Now, that is a great question. Um, it shouldn't cost you a dime to set foot on public land to hunt. Uh, it's free. Well, free quotations. You pay for it in taxes. Taxes on your hunting license, firearms, ammunition, income tax, whatever. You know, whatever land you're hunting, there is a tax for it. Um, you should have access to it. Now, national parks are a different thing. You can't hunt national parks, but... Uh, and they usually charge you to visit because, I don't know, they're huge and hard to manage. But any other chunk of public land, wildlife preserve, monument, I don't know if you can hunt monuments, but um, national forest, state public land, state parks, um, you shouldn't have to pay a set foot on it. It's like your neighborhood park, right? You go there, it's enjoyed, it's paid through taxes, it's managed through taxes. That's great. Um, things to know, though, before you go hunting public land. Every chunk of public land has its own rules and regulations per state. Uh, the state manages these things. Sometimes the federal government will manage it. I think they only manage national parks, though. There's national forests within states that the states manage, national wilderness preserves, etc. So make sure you can hunt there, one. And two, make sure you're not breaking any rules because sometimes... Let's say you have firearm season from November 12th to the 28th. Sometimes on that chunk of land, they'll only allow you to hunt firearm for three of those days or something like that. So know the chunk of land you're going to be on. Um, it shouldn't cost you a dime to step foot on it. Be prepared. You're still going to have to buy stuff. Like It's still going to be expensive. It's hunting, right? This is an expensive hobby. Um, I would also say... If you're going to leave stuff out there like a stand or a camera, get chains, get a good lock because people suck and people steal stuff. I've seen it a lot. Um, just be ready for that. Okay. Uh, it's a, it happens. Um, there's a lot of drama. It, it stinks. But it's a cost of funding public land and makes it even more difficult. Good chains, good locks. Highly recommend. People suck. Be ready for that. Um, next question. What is the cost of getting something butchered? Awesome question. Um, I personally have never done it because I butcher everything myself and I highly recommend investing in the equipment. Uh, 
to do so. It's super rewarding. Um, what you basically would need is a good sized folding table um, at minimum. If you want to get the the deer hanging thing for your garage, that's also a good thing to have. I don't own that. I can do most things on, on the table. Um, a good bone saw and at minimum a good grinder. If you want to get a vacuum sealer, you can do that too. I wish I had one. They're kind of expensive. Gonna get there one day though. Um, but as far as taking an animal in, uh, I've seen prices anywhere from $100 to $200 for white-tailed deer. Um, and that all kind of depends on the butcher and the way you get the animal processed. Now, there's more than one way to skin a cat, right? So there's more than one way to butcher a deer. Everyone has their preferences. And what I've seen is a butcher will hand you a sheet of paper after you bring uh, the animal in. And it'll have boxes that you can check on how you want this animal cut up for you. And depending how you, how you want the meat processed, it can raise prices or lower prices. You know, if you want it just cut up into big chunks, uh, big roasts, and you do all the grinding, making sausage out of it yourself, you know, you're not going to pay as much as if you make the butcher do it, however, you're going to. Um, I will say, when you do send in an animal to get butchers, they don't keep everyone's deer meat separate, so it's you're not always getting the animal you killed, right? You're getting most of the animal you killed, but... When it comes to the grind pile, they like to do batches and even weights. So we would do 50 pounds, and so we do 25 or 30 pounds of, we didn't do wild game, so I'll preface this with beef and pork. So we do like 25 pounds beef, 25 pounds pork, grind it all, make sausage out of it. They'll do the same kind of thing with your deer, um, and it doesn't matter. If you don't have that 25 pounds, they're going to get it from somewhere else. Okay, so... Just be ready for that. A lot of people don't like that aspect of it. I don't like that aspect of it. That's why. That's not why I do it myself. I do it myself because I really enjoy it. But that's a downside to getting stuff butchered. But um, I would say $100 to $200 for a smaller wild game, like deer. Um, and then bigger, I would imagine like elk or moose or anything like that, anywhere from 300 to 500 potentially up to $800. I would just call your local butcher who does that kind of stuff and ask. I wouldn't expect that much, right? Um, especially if you've got this big animal and you already parted it out. It could be um, $100 to $200 the same still. So just give them a call. Nothing, nothing to worry about. about all right. Um, next question. It's kind of a confusing question to me. Um, so I'm going to try to answer it in as many ways as I can. Question is how to clean trophy antlers. How do you clean trophy antlers? Um, now I don't know if you mean how to properly skin an animal to get the animal mounted, um, or to actually physically clean the antlers, or to make a euro mount peeling off the head, uh, peeling off the hide off the head. So I'm gonna go through all three. So let's start with basic cleaning of antlers. Let's say you have them already mounted. Um, nothing like a toothbrush and you know something something to scrub with. I wouldn't use too much. I wouldn't use water or anything. I would just straight up like dust. Maybe use a little um, pine saw spray or something, almost like a wood furnishing thing to clean the antlers themselves. The hide. Uh, nothing like running a comb through. 
maybe some beard oil or something like that to keep that um, that hide looking nice. I would honestly contact your taxidermist uh, to see what they recommend for cleaning. I'm not the, the best source. I should probably look that up. Pour on me. I'll do that and get back to you guys. Um, but um, I, if I was just going to do it without calling anyone, I'd use beard oil or something to keep that hide nice and, you know, firm and clean and moisturized, not drying out. Um, all right, let's talk about skinning your animal to preserve it for a taxidermist if you want to get it mounted. Um, so I recommend, this is just my preference, there's other ways to do it, and I'll go over them. Um, I recommend if you can, avoid field dressing and just immediately get that animal to where you're going to butcher it. Um, if you don't have time to do that, obviously field dress the animal. But what you're going to avoid doing is opening up the chest cavity. And that chest cavity, especially if you're doing a shoulder mount, you don't want to cut any of the hide in that area, period. You can cut the belly to get everything out. So that means you're going to have to reach up into the chest cavity and cut out the heart, the lungs, the esophagus, and then cut through the diaphragm and pull out all your organs and not touch that hide. Because one, there's that colic there of fur that if you cut through, it's almost impossible to stitch back together for a taxidermist, which I have done, and my taxidermist was talented enough to make it look natural and well, but there's still kind of a broken seam there. Um, so just don't do it. It makes your taxidermist life way easier. Luckily, mine is super talented and did an amazing job for mine. Um, so he preserved that hide for me. But if you can get your animal from field after death to the place you're going to skin and you don't mind getting blood everywhere in the place you're going to skin because uh, the whole body's going to be full of blood, right? You killed the animal and, you know, they're not bleeding out on the ground. They're bleeding out internally. Um, what you would do is you'll hang it or you can do it on a table of some kind. It's easier if you hang it. A lot, lot easier if you hang it. Um, and from a tree, from a tractor, uh, from your garage, you know, ceiling, if you have like the $50 thing from Cabela's that allows you to hang deer, um, you're going to cut a circle around the back ankles almost right above the Achilles tendon because, or right in below the Achilles tendon rather, because that's where you're going to be hanging it. And you're going to cut down the legs until they meet in the crotch area. You're going to skin that with your knife all the way past the tail. Um, cut off the tail, but leave the tail a part of the hide, so you cut it from the meat side. And then you're going to use your weight to peel the hide off like a sock. Right? You're not going to cut any more past that. And you're going to cut circles around the front ankles as well. And then, but that's, that's all the knife work you're going to do. And you're going to peel this animal out like a sock until it gets to the head. Um... From there, you're going to cut off the head. Atlas is the first vertebrae of the, the spine, and it, is, it connects to the head. It's easiest to cut off the head with a knife through Atlas. You can always use a bone saw. doesn't matter as long as you're not cutting hide. That'll preserve the hide. And then you bring the whole head and everything to your taxidermist, and he'll skin out the head, take out the eyes, do all that jazz uh, for you. 
remove the antlers properly and get it all mounted. If you don't know, a taxidermist uses a wood foam like fake deer to put your hide over and then mount the antlers too so there's there's no actual bones or anything under your your wall mounts you know it's all wood and just a it's really artistic it's really impressive and if you ever watch videos on taxiderm it's really cool how they make these these essentially leather you know leather vests back into an animal it's it's beautiful and crazy work because um, that's all hide is, is leather, right? Um, and they tan it, and they do that all for you. I, that's the way I recommend. I wouldn't mess with skinning the head yourself, unless you're trained to do so as a taxidermist. I wouldn't mess with like anything like that. It's kind of a debate if you're going to be packing out a heavy animal. You know, Do you want the extra weight of the skull? Um, I would just do it. I would keep it there, or cut a skull cap off if the rack isn't too important to you. Um, but that's the way I would handle doing a taxidermist. I wouldn't recommend, unless you that's something you're into, I wouldn't recommend mounting things yourself unless you want to learn. In that case, I'm sure there's actual classes before you spend all this money and ruin, you know, an animal you worked hard to get. Uh, so there's that. Uh, let's talk about a Euro mount. Now, I've done my own Euro mount, which is pretty cool. Um, I kind of messed up, so I'll tell you how... I went about it and where you go wrong. First thing you're going to do is you're going to skin out the head, which I highly recommend is buying a scalpel off Amazon or something because my fillet knife was, it's too long and annoying to handle and you're just going to peel off the hide from the head and you have to cut out the eyes and it's a pain. It really is not easy. Um, there's a lot of good YouTube videos uh, to show you how to do all this so just I would recommend watching those instead of trying to listen to me. But um, as far as getting the hide off the from around the antlers or at the, the pedicle where the antlers meet the skull, you can use like a flathead screwdriver and kind of push it away from the antlers. And that's a good way to loosen that hide there. And then you can cut through it pretty easily. Um, the key is to get all that hide off. Now, there's cartilage in the nose, right? So you're going to want to cut that off if you can. Um, it's a pretty gruesome and gruesome process if you're kind of queasy. Like you're peeling something's face. It's weird. And I'm used to these things because I was a butcher and I'm in the medical field. So stuff like that doesn't bother me. But, um, you know, it's something It's different and it's weird. And it can really, you know, take an eye out of something can really bother you if you're new to this. So, Maybe just send it to your taxidermist. Again, you don't need to be careful of the hide if you're going to do a year amount because what a year amount is is just a skull, right, with the antlers still attached, and they bleach it and get all the meat off. Um, so after you get the hide off and the eyes out, what you're going to do is you're going to boil this head for hours. I would say like four hours, four to five hours, uh, in water and detergent. Um, I just use Tide. Um, I would try to use like a scent free if you can, cause that smell of boiling everything, it was just profoundly disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. Um, I don't know if that was because I let my head sit too long and kind of spoil a little bit. Um, but it was gross. It was, it was absolutely atrocious. Um, and that detergent will help keep the fat from getting in the bone and staining the bone. So you need that, 
Um, do it outside, away from your neighbors, because your neighbors will hate you, because it is disgusting smelling. Um, and then after you boil it for a long time, you got to power wash the skull, and that'll peel off all the meat. Now, getting the brain out is another story. This is where I messed up. I did not boil it long enough. Um, so what I've seen are people just scooping it out with little spoons and stuff. And it should, if you boil it long enough, it should just kind of ooze out. Um, there's a lot of cranial nerves that go through the skull that are hard to get out. You need to boil it long enough that everything just comes off. It should look like like just super tender meat. And it should all just fall apart. But you don't want to boil it too long where the bone becomes soft. So it's, you just got to kind of watch it. Okay, I would do work and kind of pay attention if you got a weekend, a Saturday or something, or a Sunday to yourself. That's the time to do it. Um, and then what I did is I just soaked it, uh, antlers above the water, and protected, so like duct taped around in a bleach water solution, turned it into a beautiful white, beautiful white skull. Uh, I did that overnight. Just make sure you're protecting the ant's antlers, because if anything gets on there, um, it'll make your antlers white too, which you don't want, and you'll have to like dye with hair dye. Um, and sometimes if you bleach it too long, the bleach will work its way through the grain of the bone up into the antlers from like the pedicle. So you can have that. There's way to minute like, just, just watch it one, two. Um, there's a way to fix that with hair dye. So if that's something you wanna do, do it. Again, I recommend a taxidermist. They're better at it, they do it for a living or for a supplement to the living, you know, good stuff. All right, if that was the correct answer to your question, I hope I helped. If it's not, please write me again and clarify because I just didn't really want to, I didn't really know what you wanted to know um, off of that. Okay, next question. What do you do if you accidentally call a bear? Great question. I've never done that. So I couldn't tell you from experience, but what I can tell you is you need to be prepared for bears if you're out in an area where there are bears. What do I mean by that? I mean, I need you need to be with someone. You need to not hunt alone, right? Because if a bear's attacking, it's getting one of you, and the other one needs to be prepared to, to defend you, you know? Um, so I like to carry a sidearm, a pistol, I wouldn't recommend anything less than a 44 Magnum, a big gun, um, something that'll go bang and do the job you need it to do, but some people carry other sidearms, um, so be ready for that. Have satellite phone, have a GPS, have a way to get help quickly in case you do get hurt or attacked by a bear. Um, bears will leave you alone unless they're mamas with their cubs so just be careful you are going to be sneaking around in the woods um you know there's if it's going to happen the odds are it's not going to happen but it can happen and it does happen there's a great podcast uh the hunting collective podcast he had a guest that got attacked by a bear and it it kind of goes through what mistakes were made and what were good things they had going. So I'd recommend listening to that, The Hunting Collective with Ben O'Brien. I forget the name of his guest, but it was awesome. I listened to it a couple weeks ago. It's a couple episodes back. Um, I'll post that for you guys. Um, 
So just be prepared. Look up how to handle bears in the woods. Um, be big, be loud. You know, grizzly bears versus black bears, there's different ways to handle it. Um, have bear spray. You know, just be ready. You're going to be carrying extra weight if you're in bear country. Just be ready for that. Um, be prepared. That's all I can say. Because when that moment comes, you, it just depends on the situation. Um, just, just be ready. Okay. What is the difference between trophy hunting and hunting for sport? Solid question. Now, trophy hunting is a misnomer, okay? At least in the United States. Um, it is illegal to waste meat in the United States. It's called wanton waste, W-A-N-T-O-N, waste laws. Um, so people like to believe, or people believe rather, not like to believe, that when you have a big animal on your wall, you threw away the meat just for that. That's not remotely true at all. Um, people pursue those big animals because they're the most mature, they've had the longest time to breed, and they're cool. Like, it's cool to hunt an animal that's been around a long time and has survived. They're more challenging, they're more intelligent, and it gives you a reason to hunt longer, um, especially white-tailed deer. Um, it's more of a challenge, but the meat is still being taken. So hunting for sport and trophy hunting, they're, they're the same thing, but the misnomers in the in the general public are that they're different. Um, at least in the U.S. they're the same thing. Now, we get to African hunting. That can be different depending on what country you're in. You know, so I won't touch that until later when I have someone who's more qualified to talk about it on. But trophy hunting quote-unquote, is pursuing the most mature animal you can find um, and pursue that. And then if you get it, you mount it on your wall because it is a trophy. It's an experience. It's a difficult experience. Um, I would like to change the word trophy to totem because when you put an animal on your wall, it's more like a totem, more like respect for that animal and the joy felt that day and the challenges put through, but trophy hunting is a misnomer. You're not wasting meat, at least in the U.S., and if you do waste meat, you're a poacher and an asshole. Um, you should be punished. Um, so that's the difference, really. Nothing more to it. Um, there is nuances with African hunting, though, and I won't get into that. All right. This is a big one, and this is going to be the one I close with. Um... I'm going to go through a lot of detail with it. So if you don't want to hear it, this is the time to kind of tune out because I am gonna... Sorry, I'm looking up the things I need to, to find. Um, I'm going to go through a lot of detail. So when and what hunting season are there? Okay. So, excuse me. This varies between every state. And there are some federal regulations as well with migrating birds, but um, every state sets, every state manages their own wildlife, one, so you should know that. It is the wildlife technically are the property of the people of that state, not the government. It's the people's, and we hire the government to manage it through biologists and fishing game, and they set seasons based on um, what the population can handle and what the ecosystems can handle and, and stuff like that. 
Um, there are a lot of game animals, and thus a lot of seasons, and there's hunting seasons, trapping seasons, use seasons, firearm seasons. Yeah, so I'm going to break it down for Kentuckys, because this is just Kentucky, right? I live in Kentucky right now, I'm about to move, but um, there are, if you go on their website, you just hit seasons, and you can see every animal and what season in alphabetical order. So I'm literally just going to go through them. One thing to understand before I do that, hunting seasons are determined usually in the March to summer range when they're, so what I mean by that is all these dates, they're fall to fall, right? So they start in September, maybe August, right, of one year and span the new year to the spring months, February to March, right? In Kentucky, the whole thing like your all the hunting seasons end kind of March, and they'll spend that summer re like figuring out what seat like when they should have the season. They'll re redo it before the fall comes or before they traditionally have these hunting seasons. So when I say November to February, know that I'm spanning that new year. So every every November I'm talking about was from last year or every October. You know, every month behind us now is from last year, and it's going to span until this year. Okay, so 2018, 20. I'll try to clarify more when I'm talking, but let's get into it. So the first one uh, is beaver. There's hunting, trapping, and youth-free seasons here in Kentucky. Your hunting seasons are from November 12, 2018 to February 28th, so they're currently in season for hunting. And that is the same for trapping, so November 12th to February 28th. Um, the youth season where it's free for them to hunt, as in they don't have to buy a license, is December 29th to January 4th. That has passed. Our next one is a bobcat, um, which is your lynx. I think that's the technical term for a bobcat, is a lynx. Um, there's hunting, trapping, and also a youth-free season. Um, November 24th, 2018 to February 28th as well. Same thing for trapping. Um, the youth free, again, December 29th, January 4th. Then you have coot, which I have never even heard of, and I looked it up. It's like a duck-like creature. Uh, bird, aquatic bird, they said. So uh, I just synonymous with duck to me, but I could be wrong. If you know better, let me know, please, so I can learn. Um, hunting season. and there's So this hunting season, they broke into two different seasons for this for hunting okay so you have your first season is november 22nd to november 25th so it's a three-day season this is where it gets weird you got to check you know your state laws and then they have another season uh december 3rd um to january 27th and that's december 3rd 2018 so they literally just skipped you know a week to open it up again for a month which is a weird thing but they have their reasons i trust them um, more than I trust myself because they're biologists. Um, our next one's coyote, or coyote, or coyote, whatever you want to call it. Uh, there's hunting, trapping, and youth-free seasons. Hunting is year-round uh, because coyotes are considered varmints here in Kentucky, um, and you can like hunt them anyway at night with lights. It's pretty, pretty dark, in my opinion, but. Um, they're considered a nuisance, so you can hunt them year-round. Trapping's a different story. Uh, there's a trapping season, November 12th to February 28th. 
Um, and then U3, which is passed, is December 29th to January 4th. Um, then you have crow, which I knew people hunted crow, but I didn't know it until a couple years ago. Um, there's two hunting seasons, like there were for coot. There's September 1st, 2018, to November 7th, 2018, and then there's January 4th to February 28th. Cool. Now we're going to get into deer, which in Kentucky is broken up in a lot of ways, so I'll try to go into that. First is archery season. And this is statewide archery season, September 1st to January 21st. Uh, then there's crossbow season, which is also statewide. Um, there's two seasons here. There's October 1st to October 21st, then November 10th to December 31st. There's modern gun season. They broke, break this down into zones and sex of the animal you can take. So uh, for zone four, antler deer. The season is November 10th to November 25th, right? So they're pretty restrictive on zone four. But zones one, two, and three, it's either sex, November 10th and November 25th. So you're not as limited with modern gun, which is your your bolt-action rifles and your semi-automatic rifles, pistols, stuff like that. Um, then you have your muzzleloader season, which, again, are your... Um, your front-loading weapons where you have to take your rod and jam your powder in. If you don't remember from last podcast, highly recommend you listen if you haven't. Um, they break this down a lot. So there's between zone 1, 2, and 3, either sex, there's October 20th to the 21st. And then um, December 8th to December 16th. Then zone 4, you have... Antlered, two antlered seasons. There's October 20th to October 21st. So literally a, like a day, two days. And then December 8th and December 13th for antlered. And then you have an either sex zone for December 14th through December 16th. Um, then you have also you have youth free, which is December 29th to December 30th. It's statewide. It's either sex. You have youth only. Um, so it, you can on, only youth can hunt, which there are stipulations per state for youth hunts, so look them up before you start bringing your kid out there. Look up what they need to have. Um, October 13th through October 14th, and it's either sex, statewide. Alright. That's the most confusing aspect of seasons, is they can break it down any way they want. So make sure you look it up your state, and don't rely on what I'm saying here if you live in a different state than Kentucky, okay? Um, there's duck season, that is November 22nd to November 25th, statewide, and then also December 3rd to January 27th, statewide. Falconry, which is hunting with a falcon, which is pretty cool, and I think Kentucky is one of the few states that have one of these seasons. Um, September 1st to March 30th, and you can hunt small game with a falcon, which, if you do, you're a badass, so that's pretty impressive. Um, we have gray fox hunting and trapping, November 12th to February 28th for both. And then a youth-free season, December 29th to January 4th. Red Fox, same exact thing. Um, Canada Goose, September 16th through September 30th. And then November 22nd through February 15th. Uh, Snow and Ross Goose, November 22nd, February 15th. Um, 
White Fronted and Brant Goose, November 22nd to February 15th. Groundhog, Hunting and Trapping Seasons, March 1st to February 28th. November 12th to February 28th, Grouse Hunting. And specific, they broke it down into specific locations for this, so Big South Fork, National River, etc., etc. Um, there's October 1st to December 31st, and then statewide is November 1st to November 9th. And then as well statewide is November 12th to February 28th. There's a youth-free season statewide, December 29th to January 4th. Merganser. I don't even know what that is. I didn't get this far last night. Um, hunting season, November 22nd to November 25th. Statewide and December 3rd, January 27th. Mink hunting, trapping, and youth-free seasons. We have hunting, November 12th to February 28th. For both, and youth-free is December 29th to January 4th. Muskrat. Hunting, trapping, youth free. Hunting and trapping are November 12th to February 28th. Youth free, December 29th to January 4th. Possum, hunting, trapping, youth free. Hunting, October 1st to February 28th. Trapping, November 12th to February 28th. And youth free, December 29th, uh, 29th to January 4th. Quail, hunting. You have it broken down in the zone. So we have Eastern Zone, which is November 1st, November 9th. And November 12th to January 31st. And then you have Western Zone, November 12th to February 10th. So each state can break up zones in any way they want. And they can break it based on a species, not like a set zone, right? Like, so deer zones are different than um, this quail zone. So make sure you look at your field and game information per your species and not just what you think. There's no just set state rules. They can change per species and all that. So just be aware of that and seasons can change. Hey, pop, pop. Um, there's rabbit season, hunting. Again, in zones, eastern zone, November 1st, November 9th, and November 12th to January 31st. Uh, and then western zone, November 12th to February 10th. There's trapping for rabbit. Um, eastern zones, November 12th to January 31st, and western zone, November 12th to February 10th. Uh, raccoon, hunting, trapping, U3, hunting, October 1st, February 28th, trapping, November 12th, February 28th, youth, December 29th, January 4th, river otter, um, hunting, trapping, U3, November 12th to February 28th, for both hunting and trapping, U3, December 29th, January 4th, uh, sandhill crane, uh, I think Kentucky's one of a few states that have this season uh, it's pretty awesome if you can get drawn for it uh december 3rd january 27th i've heard the ribeye of the sky i'd love to go i need to go uh squirrel in the fall there's hunting and trapping i didn't make trap squirrels um hunting august 18th to november 9th and then november 12th to february 28th i need to get out and squirrel hunt trapping november 12th to february 28th striped skunk Hunting, trapping, U3. Hunting and trapping, November 12th to February 28th. U3, December 29th, January 4. Turkey in the fall. Um, there's turkey in the spring, too. And these, I don't think these are all of the hunting seasons in Kentucky. <laughs> so it's a lot, but I think there's even more. So I'm just going through it. We're almost done here. Um, so they have it broken down. Archery, crossbow, shotgun. 
Um, archery statewide is September 1st to January 21st, either sex. Um, crossbow statewide was October 1 to October 21 and November 10 to D December 31st, either sex. Uh, shotgun is um, October 27th to Dece uh, November 2nd, statewide, either sex, and then December 1st to December 7th, either sex. Weasel, hunting, trapping, youth free, hunting, and trapping, November 12th to 3rd, 28th, U3, December 29th to January 4th, and Wilson's Common Snipe. Hunting, you have September 19th to October 28th, and then November 22nd to January 27th. And those are all, I don't, I wouldn't want to say all of the hunting seasons in Kentucky, but those are like 99% of them. Um, every state is different, so make sure you look up your laws. I mean, you want attention right now, don't you? Sorry, guys. Lily's in here. Um, but it all depends on your state, so don't rely on my big list if you listen through all that. But those are some examples. Uh, Kentucky's really, really good about allowing its residents to hunt a lot of game species. So I'd say Kentucky's one of the few with a huge list um, like that. So just make sure you're not breaking the law, okay? All right, everyone, I appreciate y'all writing in. If you have any more questions, please write us, um, lessonsofthewild at gmail.com and Instagram at lessons underscore of underscore the underscore wild. Okay, thank you. Have a good rest of your day. Love you guys.